Hey everyone, welcome to the We Don't Watch Everything podcast. The only podcast that's a son of a... How's that? You like that one? Perfect. My name's Phil and that's Ben. Say hi, Ben. Hi. Name everything you watched this week. Oh, it was a light week. I only watched our two movie swap movies. Okay. uh, Tommy Boy and Spotlight and one and a half episodes of Dark Matter. Nice, nice, nice. And a lot of very bad football. Uh, What did you watch? I watched a bunch of the show Love Life on HBO. Caught up on the new season, and I started watching the first season. Could have a way in the near future. Probably next week, maybe. Uh, but yeah, those are both really good television, actually. I just love like character dives, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, what else did I watch? I watched the two movie swap movies. I watched some episodes of 30 Rock. That's about it. Nice. I don't know why I started watching 30 Rock. I'm going to stop, actually. But, yeah, spoiler alert, we are doing a big movie swap today. We are doing a movie swap, a very special movie swap. Uh, We picked movies based on our career paths. Mm -hmm. So Ben chose a movie based on journalism, his desired career path and major and whatnot and work history. And I chose uh, the the more scandalous, uh, sexy side of life of being a salesperson. Who's on the road a lot. So uh, Ben assigned me the Best Picture Award winner, Spotlight, from 2016. And I assigned you... Wait, no. You you assigned me the 1995 comedy uh, Tommy Boy. It feels like this should be reversed. Like, you should be assigning me a Spotlight-type movie, and I should be assigning you a Tommy Boy. Well, you keep saying stuff like that, but you keep assigning me the two and a half hour silent movies and <laughs> I keep assigning foreign, you the foreign artsy silent films and I keep assigning you the short comedies yeah that's true that's true and then whatever the heck attack the block was but a little yeah. bit of both but these two movies we did for our uh, movie swap today they could not be more different than each other I, I try really hard to like connect the two movies that there we do, was and there no connection here the only thing i could come up with was that they were both well-paced movies and completely different ways but completely opposite ends of the spectrum um makes for some fun discussion so we enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed it as well but um you mentioned you had a housekeeping item yeah we, uh, we've talked about Jojo Rabbit on this podcast before. We did a movie swap. We did do Jojo a movie Rabbit. swap. On, uh, Disney Plus later this month is coming out with a, a new version of Home Alone with the kid that played Yorkie from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I and bet you're on board with dude, that. Dude, I could not <laughs> be more excited. I am so pumped. I freaking love that My kid. Goodness. It's that's, not a good an, day to be a Nazi. That's interesting. It's not hmm. a good day to be a home invader. Because Yorkie's on the case. Is he is he gonna have that line, you think? Probably. I hope so. It'd be a funny <laughs> <laughs> homage. They made like a ton of Home Alone movies, haven't they? There's like uh, I have a box movies. set with four. And the okay. first two have Culkin. Yeah. The second two have some other kid that I I don't know. I haven't watched them. I feel like they stretched that concept a little bit too thin. I've only ever seen the first one, but it's the best one. Second one's yeah. worth the watch. Culkin's still good. Gotcha. I can't believe we've gotten to a point in life where Macaulay Culkin's not even the main Culkin that I care about when it comes to content. <laughs> are, are they related? Kieran? Yeah. Yeah, they're brothers. I assume, yeah. They, they uh, Kieran Culkin, one of the stars of Succession, who just hosted SNL, actually. 
I only know him from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He's one of the best characters. He's so funny. Guess who's drunk? Wallace. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's all I had. You said you had one thing? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, but we got like the most full trailer for uh, Stranger Things season four. What? No, I didn't see that. Is it good? It's Do you see Steve? Pretty unrevealing. No, we don't see Steve. We saw him in the last one. Um, if you're not talking Steve, I don't want to talk. So, yeah, the, the last trailer we saw... So, as, as you know, at the end of season three, we kind of split off with our groups of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the one half where it, it's like uh, Steve, Max, um, Lucas, and they're kind of doing a thing. This one, we get the other end where we have... It's really focused on L, and we have uh, Will and... Um, What's his name? Lucas? No. Uh, Will's brother. How am I forgetting this? Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Um, those are really the only ones who show up. Um, but it's showing kind of their new life and what they've how they've established, you know, where they're at. And it hints at some very crazy things that are gonna start happening. Shocker. Interesting. In this show. I'll um, go check that out. It's going to be the best spring break ever, apparently. Pretty uneventful, right? <laughs> that's that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm guessing that we're probably going to get more of a spring release date for it. Then it's kind of cryptically what the message is because they've just said 2022, right? Yeah, there was something like at the end of the trailer it says like 004-004, so um, maybe April. Um, yeah. I'd say that's a fairly realistic thing to expect. I'm not going to get into the habit of counting days for that because it could just change at any point. In time. Yeah, right. They're going to do what they're going to do. But On that note, though, we did actually, similar similar air, we did get some new set pictures from season four for Cobra Kai. Oh, we did? Yeah. <laughs> Main one being a picture of Tori like, pinning um, Robbie. Robbie, that's his name. Yeah, Robbie. Hmm. It's so funny how we're just like sitting on pins and needles for set pictures of Cobra Kai. This is where we're at in life. And there's a picture of all the Cobra Kai or like the Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do kids looking out the door. And the only one that of note that's not looking out the door is Dimitri. So I'm like, what's Dimitri up to? Oh, what's Uh-oh. going on? Uh-oh. Fan theories running rampant. I know. <laughs> I've never like, I never get into stuff like that. I kind of just let it come to me. Only for the important things. But then when I saw now that picture, are. it was just like, where's Dimitri? <laughs> Where is my boy? I love it. All right, well, should we do our movie swap? Yeah, we should probably get around to doing a movie swap. Let's do it. Hope you enjoy our conversation on First Spotlight and then Tommy Boy. So, Phil. Yes, Ben. Hello. Hi. Hey. You watched Spotlight. I did. I watched Spotlight. Are you ready to give a 30-second recap of it's no, the plot it's, of it's, Spotlight? It's uh, when it comes to the lighting quality, it is no floodlight, but it is... Uh... Oh, you beat me to a floodlight joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Would yours have been better? No. Or about the same? No. You don't, do you even need to ask that question? Fair. Sorry. Okay. 30 seconds. <gasps> oh, give no. Us okay. Uh, the plot of Spotlight you starting... Go on me. Okay. Okay. Give me a second to oh. compose myself. Oh. Got to sit upright for this. He's actually trying, folks. (laughs) What a nerd. (laughs) Trying. Okay. 
Spotlight is a movie about a team of journalists that work for a uh, group called... It's part of like a little different sanction of the Boston Globe called Spotlight that specifically gets to like really deep dive into certain topics that they think is like super interesting. And they basically get talked into or forced into following this string of uh, pedophilic priests amongst the Catholic Church. And they blow the whole lid off this thing and they find a whole bunch of perverts in the time Vatican. Very good, actually. It's very, very straightforward. Um, yeah, like the the plot of this movie is like, you, you get it. Like, yeah. you know what's going on. It's the detail and the intricacy of it. Yes. So you had not seen Spotlight before. I had not. Um, but you jumped at the chance to when I for a movie swap. When I pitched the idea of what the movie swap was, I was hoping you would say Spotlight. Because yeah. I had been meaning to get to it. And uh, I don't know, I was kind of feeling some Mark Ruffalo love this week. Mm-hmm. So I thought, maybe he'll fall for it. So and what, you did. You fell into you, my you trap. Imme- you immediately fall for it. Yes. Um, what did you think of Spotlight? It was really, really good. I really enjoyed the movie. It did win Best Picture, so I, I guess I shouldn't... I didn't remember that until after Hidden I watched gem. it. I had thought that it... I knew it had been nominated. I thought that it had lost, because I thought it was the year after it was. I thought it came out in 17, so mm-hmm. I thought it lost to Moonlight. But it was 16, and it won. And it beat some really good movies in 16, but I don't really have a problem with it, I guess. Like, Mad Max is, like, the best... Should we talk about this even? Does it matter? I think it's important for context. Like, it beat Mad Max, Fury Road, The Revenant, The Martian, The Big Short, Room, and that's pretty much it. Um, that, that's noticing. it. That's Room, all. That's Room, all it had to go up against. Well, yeah, but, like, Room had... A lot of these other movies won Oscars in other places. Like, Room had Brie Larson, who won Best Actress. Revenant had Best Actor. I don't remember what Martian and Big Short won, but Martians, I really love Martian. It's too. a good movie, yeah. Um, but yeah, Spotlight, I definitely, it definitely deserves to be amongst those movies, and I have no problem with it winning necessarily. And I, I thought this movie was really good. I thought it was very well acted and directed, especially I was really happy with how well it was directed. Yeah, this is a top. 25 all-time favorite for me um top 25 yeah maybe 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 even a little bit higher up there um top 18 yeah it's hard to say it gets a little fuzzy like i have my very elite movies this isn't like quite there but it's hard for me to think of one that i like more than this um especially when it comes to journalistic quality that's the thing is i'm not huge into like journalist movies um, this is one of the few that I've actually seen. Can honestly. you name any other good ones? Um, All the President's Men is the big one. Okay. Um, and this one kind of gets compared to that, although they're they're kind of different stylistically. Um, State of Play is another big one, I believe. Never even heard of that. Um, I I can't I can't name very many, but Spotlight and All the President's Men are the two landmark ones. All the President's Men being, um about uh, Bob Woodward Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein and the whole Watergate scandal with, uh, with Nixon. Um, that, that one's told different than Spotlight. That one is told like straight chronological recreation of history, basically. Where this one, you add a little bit more character development and a little bit more background, and it feels a lot richer. Um, mm-hmm. Where the other one's just kind of a recreation of what happened. Um, Spotlight, it's very fleshed out and very meticulously... They pack, um, recreated. they pack a lot into a really neat two hours. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. This movie is paced very well. It's paced like a thriller almost. Yeah, for sure. And even the way they use some of the uh, the music drops and whatnot, I just got a new soundbar system, and the mm. whole surround sound is kind of making me more aware of some of those little tricks, and uh, it's right. been a lot of fun. It's been yeah. a great time. It's a star-studded cast um, ensemble. There's there's really nobody who is like the lead, um, although I'd, I'd argue there are some people who stood out. But what did you think of well, uh, we can the cast? The cast was amazing. I do have some awards. Oh. Should we talk about let's, awards? Let's dish them out. All right. Uh, so I want to start off with some... I wanted to do awards early on because uh, they're, so, they're lighthearted and fun and whatnot, and this movie is anything but lighthearted yes. and fun. Um, <laughs> so first award, the Elizabeth Banks Award for Weirdest IMDb Page goes to Rachel McAdams. I was just about to say I'm sure that that's going to take the cake there. <laughs> rom-coms she's the love interest she's the mean girl she's the girl in this weird will ferrell movie that came out do you remember this movie what was it called um the gosh she was actually in state of play as the well. eurovision you remember this eurovision movie did you ever see that i didn't no. her and will smith play uh, Norwegian pop stars that compete in this contest. And <laughs> what? At one point, they get to enter the contest because an entire like boat of all the other contestants like sinks to the bottom of the ocean, and they're the only two left alive. So they have to compete. Um, but like massive, massive comedies like um, Wedding Crashers, uh, um, Mean Girls, Mean Girls, uh, and then the like the Vow and the Notebook, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she Sherlock did a season Holmes. Sherlock Holmes uh, Marvel. She has her, her has a role in Marvel with Doctor Strange movies. She did a season of True Detective. Too. I forgot about the Marvel thing. That yeah. completely slipped through the cracks. But yeah, so pretty easy to see all there. over the place. Mark Ruffalo but... probably also has a pretty weird IMDb page, but he doesn't have any Eurovision movies. No. So <laughs> um, there's that. Okay, I think you'll like this next one. The Stanley Tucci Award for Yes, That Guy's in the Movie goes to <laughs> Stanley Tucci. Every time Stanley Tucci pops up in a movie, I'm like, yes, Stanley yep. Tucci's in this one. Gotta love And him. so, yeah, obvious choice for this. I really enjoyed him in this He's movie, great. Too. He's great. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up about this movie, and specifically how it was directed, was as heavy of a topic that it is, it really, really picks and chooses when it's going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really well. It it saves it and it uh, most of the movie it's very it's very easy it's not very heavy and then a few times they're like whamming on you yeah. and uh the i have a few really good examples of it written down the only one that made me cry was a stanley tucci line though i think i know you think you know, the it's when mark ruffalo's character is leaving his office yep. and he looks in and sees the kids it's and like, keep doing your work mr keep, yeah keep doing yep. your work mr that hits Hernandez. yeah that was the only line that got me to tear up. And uh, also on that note, Ruffalo's outburst about, like, this could have been you, this could have been me, this could have been any of us. Um, and then there's a couple Michael Keaton scenes when he gets his source to confirm that whole scene is very emotional. Yep. And then the I think it's, it's very the next scene, I think, when he reveals that, like, he, he buried it in Metro. Like, yeah. the story, like, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't remember it, but I did that. And along those lines, one thing that I really appreciate about this is it doesn't, like, make its main characters and journalists feel like superheroes and perfect people. Like, look at all these great people in this perfect newspaper that did this amazing thing. Like, it 
It's just as keen to show you where they like fell short in the past and like how they failed to bring this story before when they could have, and they could have like saved lives and prevented a lot of harm if they would have been doing their job right. So it's not just like this big celebration of this is all perfect and great. It's like, these are humans who they did this big, important, amazing thing, but there was struggle along the way and there's kind of gray area to it too. Mm -hmm. Stanley Tucci's character has a line where he's like, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. Also, um, if it if it takes a village to raise a child, you better believe it also takes a village to abuse one. Yeah, and, and that goes not only for like the whole system with like the church and the city that they're up against, but with the Boston Globe itself of they didn't quite do their due diligence in the past, and it took this big shakeup with um, this new editor from outside coming in to mm. take a new look at things and, and get this done. Which, okay, speaking of the new editor... I actually don't really know how to say this guy's name. I forgot to look it up. But Good. the You'll Eli Covington Award for, for the most with the least goes back, to, back, to Liev Scribner. I don't know how to say his name. Schreiber? Schreiber? I don't know how to say his name. Um, he was on point in this movie playing um, the editor. What was the editor's name? Marty Barron. Marty Barron. He, I really enjoyed that character. And we were just talking about like great lines. Like You mentioned the... A couple we've mentioned a couple of Stanley Tucci's lines. I think the best moment in this movie was his monologue after Keaton revealed that he let it go. I but all right. And do you have any other awards? I do. I have two more. I have three I have two more. I have two more awards. Two more awards. The I haven't picked out a name for this one yet. I'm still workshopping it. If you have any ideas, let me know. But the award for not sure what you're going for, but that's probably okay. I guess to Mark Ruffalo. Oh, okay. I Interesting. found myself like trying to figure out what accent and like what he was trying to do physically, like with like the hunchback and mm. the talking out of one side of his mouth. And like even Stanley Tucci was like, you don't sound like you're from East Boston. And he was just <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> um, apparently that's, Kind of how Renendez like actually mm-hmm. talks. Apparently, some it was people were pretty split on whether or not he actually like talks like that. Yeah, and that's the thing is they these aren't just like fictional characters. These are real people who they like studied deeply and recreated the story with. Like, and all these people are like still journalists who are still working mm-hmm. like today. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know much about Mike Resendez, but um, Mark Ruffalo's I I thought his performance was like, I thought he was, he was I, good. I enjoyed it. And I thought it was pretty universally, like, thought of as pretty good. Um, I did see a lot. I, I did some digging on Reddit today to try and, like, find out what people thought about it. And, and like, people were – the people that didn't like it were very vocal, at least. Okay. I wonder um, what Mike Resendez thought about it. They took photos together at the uh, red carpet, I guess. But speaking of that, my next award for was uh, the actor who looked the most like the person they were playing. And I could not write, like, justify giving it to anybody because none of them looked like no, the person no. they were playing. That, that's the thing. There's a little bit of Hollywood glaze over yeah. this. <laughs> it's like you're all just going to be played by people that are way more beautiful than you. And, like, that's mm-hmm. good for you. That's good for you, Renendez. I mean, that's just journalists for you, but. Yeah, journalists are ugly. <laughs> Look at you, Ben. <laughs> Did we mention Ben's a journalist? Technically not anymore, but... Oh, don't sell discussion. yourself short. 
But all right. Um, Michael Keaton, did you? What did you think of his performance? It's always good to see him pop up in something. Do you want to oh. get? Do you want to get to my next? Uh, oh, it's if, like I was it's, reading your mind. It's not an award. It's a question. So well, ask away. Two actors that get compared to each other a lot because of this, they came up around the same times and they were competing for a lot of the same roles, right? Would this movie have been better if Tom Hanks played Michael Keaton's role? I don't think so. I th- I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think Michael Keaton was perfect for it. You needed. Um, the, I don't think Tom Hanks would have brought the same intensity to certain scenes that Keaton did. Yeah, and it's really hard to to put into words, but like. I felt like his character, like Keaton's character, Walter, Robbie Robinson, they were like merged together. Like I have a hard time disassociating with that. Mm-hmm. And as legendary as Tom Hanks is, like I don't. Michael Keaton's pretty legendary himself. But I don't know. I, I think Keaton was very good for most of the movie. I it seemed like he was trying to do an accent at times, but then yeah, like it yeah. dropped in at some points. I Maybe I was just hoping to have more Boston accents going on in this movie. Rachel McAdams got it, got it easy because her character wasn't from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> but Rachel McAdams basically just played She's Rachel toxic. McAdams, yeah. you know, and yeah. like she was good. Mm-hmm. Just taking notes and reading. She didn't have a whole lot to do in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, and that's just part of recreating a yeah. historical event. Is Yeah, it's really focused on um, Mark Ruffalo's character, is really down in it, and then... He probably gets the most screen time. Yeah, and and then what Michael Keaton and Liev Schreiber have to go through and, like, pay personally for it. Um, Those are kind of what it hones in on, and everyone else is sort of just, like, backgrounded support to it. John uh, Slattery was also a nominee for Most with the Least, uh, playing the, I don't know, the Ben guy. Yeah, pretty minor, um, but important nonetheless. Yeah, I did enjoy him. Also, the actor named Matt Carroll, who played the guy writing the horror novel, was just kind of always there. Never like the focus on a scene. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He was had a lot of screen background time. as well. Yeah, I think everyone was good though. Yeah, it stands out for sure. Um, so you mentioned it's kind of a it's heavy subject matter, obviously. Absolutely not, not the easiest to watch. Um. But you still, you're just, you're so riveted, and you can't really. Yeah, it's a quick two hours. It it runs you through it. But we we got to go with this now. No, I'm not going to rush the story, Mike. We don't have a choice, Robbie. If we don't rush to print, somebody else is going to find these letters no. and butcher the story. Joe Quimby from the Herald was at the freaking courthouse. So we'll write a holding story and we'll keep our eye on the Herald. Keep our eye on the Herald. Yeah. They run this and they get it wrong. The church will bury it. We we got to do this now. Mike, Mike. What? Why, why are we hesitating? Barron told us to get law. This is law. Barron told us to get the system. We need the full scope. That's the only thing that will put an end to this. Now let's take it up to Ben. Let him decide. We'll take it to Ben when I say it's time. It's time, Robbie. It's time. They knew, and they let it happen to kids. Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. You finished? Yeah, I am. This is bullshit. Uh, but also, like you said, it is really heavy subject matter, but they do help. the. I think it really does help the pacing and getting through this movie that 
they don't really focus on like bad emotions. They do focus on like the processes that they were going through to be mm-hmm. able to get this done, which is why I thought it was so genius how they just like they go for a while and then wham, here's a bunch of emotion and Mark Ruffalo's yelling yeah. at you and you're you feel really bad because all of a sudden now you're thinking about like what happened to these children and like you have these scenes where the Phil character like is screaming at Rachel McAdams in the restaurant because it's like, you're just going to let this drop again. We can't let this drop again. This is too big. Like, and that, like, how much did your heart just sink when, like, in the halfway point in this movie, it's like 9-11 happens? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, oh, no. This is going like, to get buried. Like, is this going to get buried? Like, because, like, obviously, 9-11 is going to take the precedence mm-hmm. of any newspaper like organization like yeah. working like that's going to be the top priority so also just fun seeing um hopping in a time portal and like barely having the internet um flip like phones they're, they're talking like the when they're having that big meeting at the end with like all the editors right before they run it and they're talking about printing the website your you the url the article <laughs> and, so that people can find it online and, and a hotline like, oh we can do that <laughs> Because you actually have to type in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Glorious, glorious times. So I wish we could go back. Do but you? Yeah. In a time portal? Is that what you Yes wanted? and no. We couldn't do this podcast then, so. There were podcasts back then, weren't there? There were radio shows. But we couldn't have this podcast. Yeah. How old were we? Six? Because, yeah, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be old enough. I was probably. six when this was happening. Yeah. Interesting. Well, do you think it should have won Best Picture? Uh, that's a tough one. I think. I think this movie is. It's obviously, I think, the most important movie of all the nominees. I think. If I had to pick one from the other nominees, I would probably would pick Mad Max. I think it's the best action film of the last twenty years mm-hmm. and. Going forward, it hasn't been topped yet. Um, but I don't have a problem with spot like it losing the spotlight. I guess. Sure. Yeah. I think it deserves it. It's a it's a rightful winner. Yeah. All right. Well, that was wonderful and yet depressing at the same time. Um, I don't think it would have won the next year. What was the next year? I forget. Moonlight won the next oh, year. Right. I think Moonlight would have beat it. Yeah, I would have a hard time seeing it beat that. But yeah. Well. Shifting gears. Shift. The other movie we have in our movie swap is yes, so Polar Opposite. We have the professional journalism major and writer my proper on, title. on the other side of the table for me. And on this side of the table, you have the scumbag salesman. And, uh, and boy, do we have a movie about scumbag salesmen. And boy, do we have a movie. So, Ben, why don't you give us a 30-second recap of Tommy Boy, which I also saw for the first time this week also. Oh, you hadn't seen I, it I, before? I watched it for the first time this week and was like, you know what we should do? We movie should do swap. a movie swap based on our professions. To, okay, so when I was in training, like with the company I'm with now, like our sales training and whatnot, they showed us a clip from Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, it was on my mind for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so that is kind of the thought process that went into that. But on you, sir, you have 30 seconds to, to 
summarize Tommy Boy. Okay. So Tommy, his father, Big Tom, owns a brake pad company. And um, he is going to pass the company along to his son someday. But his son, Tommy, is uh, quite a character and maybe not prepared for it. Well, Big Tom dies all of a sudden, meaning that um, in order to keep the company running, (laughs) Tommy and uh, Emperor Cusco have to go on the road and sell a lot of brake pads in order to keep the company afloat. Um, Cut! <laughs> ben, this is such an easy move. Like the, I hit all the points, didn't you I? You didn't hit the the wife and the the Rob Lowe of it all. <laughs> it's because Rob Lowe gets his own hour of discussion. Chris Farley. <laughs> David Spade. When Rob Lowe showed up in this movie. He gets off the bus and I just punches lost, that kid. Because the only, the biggest perception of Rob Lowe I have is Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. Obviously, the nicest, most perfect, most positive human. And he's the worst human ever in this movie. Well, I was I actually had this conversation because I, surprise, surprise, I, I did watch this movie again with uh, my girlfriend. I wanted to show it to her. And she was like, no, I don't want to watch this if Rob Lowe's going to be the bad guy. And I was like, okay, so is the only experience you have with Rob Lowe, like, Parks and Rec. Yes. Because if that's the only experience you have, like you didn't know that there was like a 20 year stretch where like he was playing like jerks. Like he wasn't always like, and that makes him in Parks and Rec so much. It makes it even better. Right. (laughs) This is just this ball of positivity, but and anxiety also. Yes. He freaks out. That's the whole point. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah. the, the, The whole side plot though is Rob Lowe and, um, I forget her name, but this it doesn't matter. lady um, hatched this plot to basically siphon off the brake pad company that Big Tom owns. And they did not plan for the husband to die. They got married right at the beginning, mm-hmm. and they did not murder him. He just he did naturally die, and yeah. they were like, "Well, that works out well for us because we wanted him to. We were going to just divorce him." And uh, take all his money over a long period of time, but he just now he's just dead. So now they have a vested interest in the company going under, so that Mm -hmm. they can sell the stock essentially because the company goes up for sale after he dies. But Chris Farley's character is like, no, this is we're gonna fight this. We're We're gonna gonna keep it afloat. Yeah, and they go they go out on this sales trip to try and sell these brake pads because they are the future of Callahan Auto Parts. Who who's who's the they? Who's the other person? David Spade. David Spade. (laughs) So it's. Chris Farley and David Spade. What a historic duo also. That's so interesting. Um, this this movie just works best of all as just a solid buddy comedy. Oh, for um, sure. There's some weird and eccentric stuff going on, but that part is just really solid. Um, there's a really weird David Spade masturbation scene, but we don't want to have to talk the, about that the, anymore the, than, well, than that. You brought it up, but it's just how... Um, David Spade, when he, so it starts with like, he's looking out the window at the girl and Tommy like walks past her and he's like, Oh no, don't do the weight room. <laughs> line. Goes, oh, you know do you know where the, the weight room is? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was one of those that really got me. Um, Chris Farley has this way about him where he can take scenes where like if anyone else was saying it it would just be like weird and dead time but he just has a way to go so over the top without it being too much that it's just funny 
Like when he gets the D and he's like, I passed, I passed. <laughs> he's hugging people. He's like, man, I wish we knew each other because yeah. this is super awkward. Like no like no one but Chris Farley can pull stuff off like that because he's the only one who can take it to 11 mm. and not be annoying. And, and building off of that, probably the part where I laugh most, I don't know if you have the same opinions this on me, but um, where he's kind of doing that when he's in the boat with Michelle near the beginning and the kids are like yelling at him and he's like, <laughs> firing back like the most absurd way possible and then she tops him <laughs> that's like, a great scene that was, that was my favorite the, the whole movie. <laughs> my the, i think i don't know if it's my favorite part but the part where i laughed the hardest was <laughs> when they're getting pulled over <laughs> the bees bees oh, yeah. get out, your bullets will do nothing and it's like 20 degrees out <laughs> and the <laughs> cops are just like oh no i'm allergic to bees <laughs> He's like, man, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> so as a traveling salesman yourself, have yes. you ever picked up a deer on the side of the road thinking it was dead and then it woke up and no. destroyed your tr- your car? <laughs> I did come super close to hitting a deer uh, a couple weeks ago. Like, I swear I grazed its tail. Like, I had to have. Like, it was so close. And that was super scary and like honestly yeah. i'm not even here's the worst part i'm not even scared to hit a deer because of like being in pain i'm scared that like oh man i don't have to do paperwork for this i'm like i have to deal with insurance <laughs> right. companies i don't want to deal with this crap yeah like i I wouldn't even tell anyone for a while because i just want to deal with it but i think that the best part about all of the, the setups for these scenes are is the wacky stuff that happens to them it's just, it's in no way related and it's completely random. Well, it is a Lauren Michaels movie. So like SNL, like whatnot. It's, like it's kind of sketch. SNL, yeah. It's, it's a series of it's sketches. It's a series of these sketches guys that follow together. two guys and there's one plot through it, but it's like the whole airplane scene too. Yeah, that's a completely like, separate thing. Like, and then Chris, and for no reason, Chris Farley has to change in the airplane. Yeah, and he can't do it. And he gets the crap kicked out of him by the bathroom. <laughs> Like that didn't like, have to happen. It's like, it is this, so this isn't even so the same did. movie, but it's okay. <laughs> but man, they knew how to use David Spade and Chris Farley really well for these movies, though. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> another great scene is the he he's all muddy from trying to cow tip, and he starts spraying him with the hose, and like, I'm a maniac, lady. <laughs> That's when Rob Lowe is spraying him with the hose. Yes, yeah. yeah. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. <laughs> Emo. Emo evil Rob Lowe. And then like the scene where Rob Lowe's shirt just gets sucked off. That, and he's that just was like, hysterical. He's just like, what <laughs> is going on? Yeah, it's just all over the place, not afraid to try anything. He pees on uh, a power supply and gets blasted Yeah, like, 20 feet. Pretty much everything involving Rob Lowe is just so off the cuff, out of nowhere. Like, not the way you would typically treat, like, a dreamboat, like, kind of yeah. guy, you know? Ah, oh, But it worked. Something about it works. I Actually, I watched this in, like, four different segments, so. It works. It works way, like I'm that because sure. it's so episodic. Um, but, yeah, you never had your car stripped down and wrecked the way theirs was. That, that's another funny thread that carries all the way through is their car just gets deteriorates more and more. That's such they a good keep bit. keep driving it. The, at the gas station the first time when the door falls off, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up so much. Oh, Chris Farley's so funny. I and, can't rest in peace. I Yeah. He's so funny. And they just keep driving it. Like, they just no matter how bad it gets, they just keep like, driving it. Hey, you can't park here. Keep it. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. That's the way they send they send it off. They drive it to the airport and then just leave it. Because, like, well, what's the point at this point? There's candy in the dash. The doors are ripped That's up. right, because he the, spilled the M&Ms. This deer just absolutely destroyed everything about it. <laughs> it gets funnier the more I think about it, actually. Like, it's a solid watch, but there's a secret brilliance to it. And, like, I don't know. It's The fact that Chris Farley will just, like, start doing cartwheels it's just funny to me yeah like that's just something he pulls out because he knows it's funny to see a fat guy do it yeah yeah it's it's simple but it's really effective i think the another funny thing about this movie is like the sales theory of it is actually really like really strong like there's mm-hmm. a reason they showed it to us in training because yeah. like if as a salesperson if you just get caught up in like the features and whatnot of the product like it has like it's coated with this and it's lined with this and this is the material. It's like no one's gonna, no one cares about that. Like they just like they want, they want to know how it benefits them, mm-hmm. not the, the little things how it's made. You know, so you got to sell them the hot wings. You can't sell them the way David Spade was trying to sell them. It's very know? true. As long as you don't take their uh, model cars on their desk and crash them <laughs> into each other and set them on fire. Well, that was actually, that, that was the only scene I've ever seen from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. That was the scene they showed us, and we should actually yeah. play that. Clip. <laughs> Now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the kids are yelling from the back seat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, damn it. Truck tire. I can't stop. Help. There's a cliff. And your family's screaming, oh my God, we're burning alive. No, I can't feel my legs. In comes a meat wagon. And the medic gets out and says, oh my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And to me, it doesn't get out. You guys puking around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But that's the, an, another example of a scene where I'm talking about with Chris Farley. Like, he just, like, goes so over the top, and it is not annoying in the slightest. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, nowadays, an actor tries that, and it's, like, the kids would call it cringe because he's yeah. trying too hard. But Chris Farley can just pull it off. Right. Feels more authentic. And Absolutely. David Spade just is, like, the counter of the... He's pretty one note. He's just... Mm-hmm. He's pretty deadpan sarcastic. He, he's Emperor Cusco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What year did uh, Ember's New Groove come out? Amazingly, not too long after Tommy Boy. Um, Was it 99? Because Tommy Boy is 95 and um, New Gro- Ember's New Groove was... It was turn of the century. Um, okay. Which is amazing. Like, I would have thought these were farther apart, but... Yeah. I thought it was funny that there there's a scene in Tommy Boy where he is like pretending to like do kung fu and like fight the moving chains and then Beverly Hills Ninja came out 2 years later. Hmm. I was getting a lot of uh planes, trains and automobiles vibe out of this one. I've just, never seen that. That's the same concept of a uh, buddy comedy road trip with a a fat guy involved and the car deteriorates as they take the trip um but yeah so okay rob lowe is actually not credited in tommy boy 
You want to know why? Why? Because he was contractually obligated to be in a Stephen King movie at the same time. So he literally just took this part as a favor to his good friend, Chris Farley. I'm so glad he did. Isn't that nice? That's why, because when he showed up, it was completely out of nowhere. Like, you didn't see his name in the opening credits. That's why I was so taken aback when he showed up. I'm like, what is going on? That's hilarious, actually. Okay, I won't bore you with any more trivia. I think we could probably get caught in a whole black hole with that. But yeah, I think we'd both pretty solidly recommend Tommy oh, Boy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Chris. So Chris Farley in the movie, he went to Marquette University and he was wearing a rugby jacket. Mm-hmm. Both true. He went to Oh, really? He went to Marquette and he played rugby. I did not know. When he was actually in college. But yeah, absolutely. I would recommend both of these movies. Maybe not in the same day. I watched them both today. <laughs> would if, you recommend doing that? I would watch Tommy Boy after you watch Spotlight yeah. just to kind of like relax a little bit because you're going to be like hurting a little bit from the end of Spotlight. But I kind of did the reverse. I watched Tommy Boy first because I, I didn't know if I was going to get to rewatch Spotlight in time. But I uh, did. And then I'm like, ooh, yeah. Tommy says, son of a, 10 times throughout the film. Feels like more than that. Infinite. All right, well, is this part of the show where we do a Weiwa? Well, are there any things about these movies that you think relate to each other? Oh, man. No. Okay. Weiwa time. I don't think so. (laughs) Welcome back to the We Don't Watch Everything podcast. It's time for my favorite part of the show, Ben. What are you watching, sir? So this is more of an intermittent Weiwa. Um, I don't really spend a lot of time on this consistently. I just come back to... Calls himself a professional. These bits here and there. Because it is set up as a ste- sketch comedy because it is I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Oh, Tim, Ro- Tim Robinson? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah. Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson. Tim Robbins is another guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's in Shawshank Redemption. Anyway, this is a sketch comedy series. The second season came out a few months ago. Um, so this is like six months ago. I, I lose time means nothing to me anymore. Yeah, Give me a break. Um, I'm not a huge like sketch comedy person, but there are some bits in this that are just complete gold. Um, the sloppy. What is it? Sloppy. The steaks? sloppy steaks. Yeah, I mean, if. What I've found is talking to anyone else who's a fan of this show is people's tastes and favorite sketches vary vastly differently depending on your own sense of humor. But um, these are sketch comedy skits. on it's, it's a Netflix original. And it's these skits that start out fairly ordinary and they just get taken to the absolute absurd extreme. Um, I really don't have words to describe it, so I'm not going to try to. Good. Just... Give it a try if you're up for something very odd and if be you, prepared for the worst. If you don't like the first sketch you watch, you're probably not going to like the rest of them. So yeah. just <laughs> yeah. stop there. But I know you've watched this show before. Oh, yeah. So, um, I do. I enjoy it. I love sketch comedy. So And like Tim Robinson, obviously, like a main staple of SNL for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the first season is all rejected SNL sketches. Right? Yeah, that, that's the thing is like these are the things that didn't quite make it because they were just a little bit 
out there, maybe. Uh-huh. And then they just he has the liberty to go. It's it's not airing on network television, so he just goes all out. Yeah. The um, the sketch in the first season where he's like wondering why his friend doesn't uh, want the doesn't doesn't care about anyone else giving him the gift receipt, but he mm-hmm. he's like, oh good, I have the yeah. gift receipt for yours. <laughs> it's so fun. That that was the one where I knew okay, this is on like a different level of absurdity, like. <laughs> they, how are they getting these actors to say these things I but definitely yeah. did you enjoy is season one or two better definitely season one um, season two I'm sure if we have our uh, good friend of the pod Mike Chapin back on big big fan of this show um, he was the one who introduced me to it actually um, he's got some more thought out opinions on it what I, I felt like Mike the, had a thought out opinion on something <laughs> you're crazy shocking right um <laughs> The, the first season was really creative and off the wall and enjoyable. The second one, it's like they sort of picked what they thought the best elements were and focused too much on them. They kind of relied a little too much on screaming and cursing. Yes, which that's funny in its own it context. It can be, for sure. But when that's what you build the entire sketch around, not so much. And that's more where the second season kind of falls short. Not that it has its moments and has its funny sketches, but... The all-time classic ones are definitely in the first season for me. The, um, uh, the I'm sorry, but the the Bozo dubbed over sketch. Um, where I don't they, remember that one. So they're showing, they're at work. It's him and the three other people at work, and they're showing each other YouTube videos. Uh-huh. And this is ringing any bells? No. <laughs> and is this so first the, season or second season? First season. Okay. And they're all showing their videos, and Tim Robinson's character, like, he's just like completely out of it. He does it. He's never seen any of these. He's feeling left out. And they're like, Oh, how about you show us your favorite video? And he's like, Oh, uh, I can't think of any right now. So then it does this hard cut where it just ends. And then they show like a different skit and they come back to this one. And it's the next day. He's like, I have a video to show everybody. And he's <laughs> okay. This is stringing about. Yeah. And then he shows them a video, which I won't try to describe or repeat. <laughs> you shouldn't, but like, I have watched that skit so many times. Like, it is just bookmarked on my Netflix at this point. Like, if I ever have a bad day, I go back and watch this skit and, like, cry laughing. Um, Goodness. But, yeah. That's all I'll try to describe because I'm probably not doing a very good job. But um, if you're up for something just absolutely absurd, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson as a good place to start. There's worse places to start. Yes. But yeah, that was the We Don't Watch Everything podcast. Thanks for sticking around and and hope you enjoyed our conversations on Spotlight, Tommy Boy, and I think you should leave. Speaking of that, I think we should probably leave. Good one. So smooth. Classic. Bye. Bye.